And welcome to another episode of the More Than Therapy podcast. Sometimes I meet people that I wish I would have known 5, 10, 15, even 20 years ago. I really wish I would have met Liam approximately 20 years ago. And he would have been really instrumental in my life maybe 13 years ago. Liam Naden is today's special guest on the More Than Therapy podcast. He's a speaker, a teacher, a writer, and researcher. He helps to understand the process for creating true success in your life by understanding how to use your brain the right way, overcoming your problems, achieving your goals, and ending frustrations. He's the host of the podcast, Using Your Brain for Success, and author of Rebalancing Your Brain for Success, and creator of the Neural State Rebalancing, a process which automatically it's your brain working the right way to bring you the life that you want. Liam is also an experienced marriage and relationships coach, which is what I needed and probably still need, and host of the Growing in Love for Life podcast. He's an author of more than 20 books and creator of four relationships coaching programs. Today, I introduce you to Mr. Liam Nathan. Mr. Liam, this life Hello, Felicia. Is this course that you're on is just so well needed. One of um, a relationship guru that I closely followed succumbed to death yesterday at the age of 57. So now where would I get the knowledge? Where would I get the insight regarding navigating this tumultuous battleground of relationships? And of course the battleground is all in what? Your brain, right? Liam, what brought you to this space in order to bring this wealth of knowledge and experience in helping people overcome their frustrations regarding navigating this thing called life, especially as it pertains to relationships? Well, it's a funny thing, isn't it? We're always, I guess most of us, if not all of us, led in our mm -hmm. life path rather than choosing it. And circumstances and experiences really dictate um, what we end up focusing on and that certainly was the case for me because for, for virtually all of my life I've been someone who's wanted to try and figure out how can you be happy and successful you know I wasn't happy just settling for you know being good enough or having enough I wanted to really have an exciting life and even from it this was from an early age so I went down a, many different paths looking for for the answers to how you can achieve real happiness and success in your life and how you can be feel like you're really in control of your life. And I first off tried religion. I was brought up as a, as a Catholic and I became very, very interested in, in the teachings of Christianity and religion and how that related to success. And of course, the teaching there, well, what I was taught was if you want to be happy and successful and if you want anything in your life, pray to God ask God for what you want and God will give it to you so I, I did that I tried it and you know it, it didn't overly work for me a lot of the time my prayers weren't answered so I thought well, maybe there's, some, there's something else here that I should try and I went down many other paths and I in particular studied a lot of personal development and self-help type strategies techniques learning how to set goals learning how to um, create strategies for your life, how to reprogram your your thinking, if you like. There's a lot of a lot of that. And changing your beliefs, doing all these things. I even did hypnosis tapes and tapes in those days, hypnosis recordings, and studied all sorts of things to do, all sorts of techniques and therapies about success. And again I got mixed results, but the one thing I was finding through all of these things that I was trying was I still had problems in my life. I still had stress. I still had things happen seemingly out of the blue that sort of knocked me off course and meant that I was struggling all the time rather than being able to, to be truly happy. And I tried spirituality as well. Another whole area where I tried different techniques and, and, and um, thinkings and, and philosophies, meditation, many other things as well. The same sort of things were happening. I was I could feel that they were making something of a difference, but I still had problems and stress in my life. And I thought, maybe life is supposed to be hard. Maybe what I've been seeking 
isn't realistic. Maybe you do have to struggle. Maybe you're always going to have problems. Maybe problems are natural. And, if, and maybe everybody has them. So maybe your idea of some idealistic being happy and fulfilled really isn't realistic or achievable. But then something really interesting happened, and sorry, something really interesting happened to me, and it turned out to be a real turning point in my life, and that was that I lost everything. I became homeless. I lost all of my income, my businesses, which I had several of at the time, my relationship, everything. And I ended up having to move in to my elderly mother's small apartment and sleep on the sofa in her living room. And I was thinking, why did this happen to me? I've studied everything about success. I, I, I should know how to make sure this didn't happen to me, but it did happen to me. And something really interesting happened after that. You know, obviously, I, I took a few months to, to unravel and, and rebuild my life. And, but as I started to rebuild my life, I noticed things were going an awful lot better than they ever had before. I attracted a much better relationship than I'd ever had before. And I was, I was starting to find business opportunities to do things that not only made me all the money I needed to give me freedom and to do what I wanted to do, but the things that I really enjoyed doing and felt really fulfilled about. But one of the most interesting things about all of this time was I noticed I didn't have any problems or stress, whereas my previous life had been about like a roller coaster of, of, of struggle and trying to achieve and dealing with all sorts of problems. Now I was it was like it was like everything was being given to me somehow, without me having to be stressed and, and struggling for it. And sure, I was working hard, but I wasn't really struggling, and I wasn't having any meaningful problems or or things that were really making me feel anything other than just having a having a, a really enjoyable life. So I wanted to figure out what it was that w was different. <coughs> Excuse me. In other words, I wanted to know what was I doing differently that was giving me the success that I'd always wanted, the fulfillment that I'd always wanted. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how I was getting what I was getting. So I wanted to figure it out. But at about the same time, I started a business in marriage and relationship coaching. And primarily it was helping people with one of the biggest problems people face in a marriage, which was when you want to be married to someone who wants a divorce or a separation. So I started coaching people on this, and I created some, some coaching programs. And I still do a lot of this to this day, and I'm, I'm still you know, very involved in this area of, of my coaching. <clears throat> but I noticed something very different with all the people I was helping. And the thing was, some people managed to heal their relationship, and others didn't. And I thought, what's the difference between the people who do succeed and the people who don't? And what I figured out, it wasn't. I, I started off by saying, well, what isn't it? Well, it's not the information they have, because I was giving everybody the same information. It's very effective information, and it does work for virtually every situation. But some people were taking that information and making it work, and other people weren't able to use that information. So it wasn't about knowledge or information. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I thought, well, maybe, well, it also wasn't about prayer, because many people who were working with me were very devoutly praying for success and to heal their marriage, and other people weren't. And that didn't seem to make any difference. The people who prayed didn't seem to have any greater chance of success than the ones who didn't. And it also wasn't a question of motivation, because, of course, everybody who came to work with me was very, very motivated to solve this particular problem in their life. <clears throat> so I thought, well, what, what is it? What's the difference between the people who succeed and those who don't? And when I started to put all the pieces together, I realized it was exactly the same thing that had enabled me to create true success in my life versus all the failure and the struggle and stress that I had. <clears throat> And the difference was simply how people are using their brain. And this is such a simple idea, but it's completely overlooked by, I think, nearly everybody, is that the simple fact is that you, you have between your ears a machine. And it is the most powerful machine 
that exists in the universe. It's infinitely more powerful than the most powerful computers on the planet. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, they did an experiment a few years ago where they took the world's fourth largest supercomputer at the time, massive computer, as you can imagine, and they compared it, they, they got it to perform an action that the human brain performs. And the human brain performed this particular action in one second. And that very same function, it took the computer 40 minutes to complete. So what took the human brain one second, it took this computer 40 minutes. And we have no idea still, even though science is getting more of a better idea, we have no idea of the incredible power that's contained in the human brain. So the point really comes down to why aren't we taught how to use this infinite machine the right way? Because here's the other thing. Your brain, <coughs> pardon me, I'm sorry, <coughs> sorry about this um, cough I've got. The thing about your brain is it is a machine and, and it's infinitely powerful. And there have been, as I say, many books, many scientists have studied the brain and they're all completely in awe of the power of the brain. But it is a machine. It is simply a machine. And as a machine, it operates like any other machine, which is it needs to be used in a particular way. Now, if you compare it to, say, your motor car, right? Now, we all know that's a machine, and you know, we know that it has a function, which is to get you from where you are to a place where you want to go <clears throat> in, in the most comfortable, pleasurable, and efficient way possible. So you know that if you want to get from where you are, to, to, to where you want to be using a, a motor vehicle, a car, you have to drive it the right way. You know, you can't get into it and put in water into the fuel tank and you can't get in and look at all these buttons and levers and not know what to do and then, so therefore, pull the handbrake on and push the accelerator and expect to move and get to where you want to go, least of all comfortably. It's not going to happen. And at the very least, what's going to happen is you're going, you're probably not going to move at all. But if you do move in this car by not knowing how to operate it, it's probably going to be a very bumpy ride. It's probably going to be very unpleasurable for you. And not only that, but you might, you're going to damage the car eventually. So, and when you damage the car, you don't say, I have a problem with the car, therefore, um, there's something wrong with this, this, or that this is natural for it to be a problem with this, this car. No, you say, the reason I've got a problem is I'm using it the wrong way. If, I, if I'm not using the machine the right way, it's going to cause a problem. And that, as it turns out, is exactly the same as the human brain, the machinery of your human brain. It's a biological instrument that we have, which is, is designed to not create problems. If we have problems in our life, to a very large degree, they are simply a sign that you're using your brain the wrong way because the machine is not designed to give you problems in your life. And I know that's, you know, that's a, a bit of a, a big thing to uh, get your head around. And it's certainly when I came to this conclusion after all my research and through different fields, science, psychology, um, philosophy, religion, they all pointed to this as truth um, and prove it as truth. And I could tell you how it's provable as truth as well, if you like. But they were pointed to the fact that if you do use it the wrong way, you're going to have problems show up in your life. You know, coming back to the car analogy, some people think, well, if I don't know how to drive this car. Maybe what I need to do is get out and push it. So they get out and they push the car and they put in an enormous amount of effort. But they don't get anywhere. Or if they do, it's with a huge amount of struggle. It's not enjoyable. And they wear themselves out. And sometimes they might think, well, the reason it's not going fast enough and, I'm not, and it's not responding when I'm pushing it is I need to be stronger. I need to build up my strength so that I can push it harder. And again, isn't this what we do with our life? You know, we, we, we put more effort in when things aren't working. And we put all this effort and struggle. And then when, when it's, if it's still not working, you know, we wear ourselves out. But if it's still not working, we say there's something wrong with us. We're not putting in enough effort. We need to become stronger as people, as a person rather, to, um, to get this machine or our life, get us from where we are to where we want to be. 
So all of these point to the fact that you're, th this machine, this, this, this infinite machine that you have, your brain, it is capable. It's not only capable, it is designed to ensure that you have the best life possible. Because when you think about it on a biological level, now we're all biological beings. You know, we exist in a physical universe. We're a, we're a living species as a human race. We're part of the human race. And if you were to ask any biologist, what is the purpose of the human race? What is your purpose for living? They would give you this answer. All of them would give you this answer. And that is your purpose for living as a physical being, as a member of the human species, is in common with every other species on the planet. Your purpose is to create more life. That is the purpose of life, is to create more life, to procreate, to add to the survival of the species so that the species carries on. So you have a biological purpose to <clears throat> ensure that the survival of the human species carries on. And the way you do that, you have your best chance of doing that, your best chance of surviving and adding to the human species' survival. You have your best chance of doing that when you're at your best. And it doesn't mean just best physically when you're strong and healthy, but also when you're best mentally and emotionally. In other words, when you're, you're happiest, because when you're happy, what are you? You're resourceful, you're productive, you're creative. You do all of these things that enhance human experience as well as your own life and contribute to the survival of the species. So this is all tied up with the fact that your brain is this machine designed to help you and to make sure that you're the best person that you can be. And what's the one thing that, does, that gets in the way from, of you being the best you can be? It's problems. When you're stressed, when, you, when you're afraid, when you're worried, when you have all these negative things to, to deal with, in other words, problems, it has a, a detrimental effect, a negative effect on your ability to survive. Because it's well known that disease is caused by stress. So when you're sick, sorry, when you're not feeling good, you're more, more likely to get sick and you're less likely to heal quickly. You know, you'll heal more slowly. And also, <clears throat> mentally and, and uh, emotionally, when you're feeling your best, you can come up with better ways to do things, better ways to survive and, and make life better. So, but when, you, when you're stressed and when you're worried, you're not creative. And there's a, very, there's a biological reason for that, and I'll talk about that shortly, if you like, how this all ties in with the brain. But you know you're not, everyone knows that when you're, when you're feeling stressed and unhappy, you're not at your best. You know, you're not able to be loving and contribute to other people, and you're certainly not able to be as creative and come up with good ideas and, and, and be optimistic and enthusiastic. So this is the really strange thing that I realized was that problems are simply a sign that you're using your brain the wrong way. They're not a natural biological part of our experience. They're just a sign that something's, something's going wrong. And when you learn how to fix that, just like when you learn how to drive any machine, with it, like your computer or a car, if you know how to use it properly, you don't have problems. It does the job it's designed for in a perfect and predictable way. So when I started to understand how this worked, and, and there is a biological way this mechanically works, this isn't just an idea. This is a mechanical functioning that we're naturally designed to adhere to. Um, that's when I turned this into a system, really, called neurostate rebalancing, which is about getting the parts of your brain, the machine of your brain, rebalanced in the way that gives you the best results possible, gives you this ideal life, this life without problems, where you're being the best that you can be. And really what, um, what it's about is your brain becomes unbalanced when you're using it the wrong way, and that's why you have problems. So what you need to do is you need to, have to learn how to use your brain the right way, and then your brain, this infinite machine, this machine that knows you better than you do, <laughs> um, it's going to bring you everything you need for you to be the best that you can be. And that means it's going to show you how to solve problems much more easily. And probably just as importantly, it's going to make sure that you don't create problems for yourself in the first place. Because I'm sure we all know a lot of the problems we have in our life are things that you know, are probably the result of decisions we should never have made in the first place or 
or, or mistakes or errors in judgment, all of those things that could be avoided if you were using your brain the right way. So that's the power really of what I came to realize that all of these other things were, were trying to hint at sort of ways to improve your life, but you don't need a lot of the stuff. What you need is just, you know, it's a bit like why would you read one book for a solution to a problem if you had access to every library in the world? Why, why would you stick with one book? You wouldn't, would you? You'd go, if you had access to all of the answers from every book ever written, you know that that's where the answers are going to be for any problem you've got. And that's what your brain is like. That's the, the power of your brain is far more powerful than all of the knowledge written in every book throughout history. So you have access to all of that knowledge, all of that information. All you need to do is learn how to access it and how to use it properly. And that's what it's designed to be there for you. Liam, <clears throat> thank you for that. Thank you. A question. What is the one thing that holds nearly everyone back from living their ideal life? Well, here's the secret <clears throat> about how your brain works. When your brain is working perfectly and, you, and, and bringing to you what you need to be the best you can be, versus when it's not. And that one thing is fear. Fear is the thing that holds everyone back. Because what fear does is it changes your brain state. It unbalances your brain machine because you're not naturally designed to be afraid. And in fact, there's only two, the, 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 was a couple of points about fear because people go, what do you mean you're not supposed to be afraid? You're supposed to be afraid of one thing and one thing only in your life. Well, actually, there's, there's three things you're supposed to be afraid of. Two you're born with. There are two fears that we're born with. One is the fear of falling you know, off something high. And the other fear that we're born with is the fear of loud noises. So they're, two, they're the two natural fears. <clears throat> okay. Every other fear is something that you've created. It's not a natural um, thing to be afraid of. But the third fear that you're supposed to have is when something comes along in your life that is an immediate threat to your survival. And, you, and that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? In other words, if, um, if a train, if you're standing on a railway line and a train comes towards you, or if you're standing in the road and a car comes towards you, or someone runs towards you shouting at your name and holding it and waving a knife at you, or whatever, any situation that is going to be an immediate threat to your survival, you should feel fear about that. And your brain has a mechanism in this machine to deal with that. And it's sometimes called, and you might have heard of this, it's sometimes called the fight, flight, or freeze mechanism, or the survival instinct, where you don't think, you just suddenly react to a danger. And what actually happens in the brain when that happens is that your brain is saying to you, to your body and, and your mind, but it's saying to you, there's something there that you, you should be afraid of that's dangerous and that could kill you or severely harm you. And what it does is it sends a signal to identify or to give you the signal, the rest of your body is the signal that there is something that is could damage or harm or kill you. And that, that is fear. It creates, it produces this, this collection of hormones or chemicals in your brain which produce fear. And when you feel fear, that's it's simply your brain saying there's something to be afraid of that's going to could harm or kill you right now. But what the response it creates in your brain is that it puts you in this reactive state. So you react, you jump out of the way, or you shout out, or you fight back, or you run away. All of those things you do instinctively without thinking to deal with this fearful, dangerous situation. And that's absolutely perfect for that, isn't it? Because you don't want to be not reacting instantly if something that could kill you or severely harm you comes along. So that's what fear is designed for. But the problem is that most people are living in a state of fear, worry, and anxiety about things that aren't going to kill them there and then, that aren't going to physically severely harm them there and then. So people are in this worried, anxious state. And what are they worried about? Well, you know, what they see on the news, on the TV about, you know, the state of the world or 
the state of the economy or you know all, all all the problems in the world and they're feeding their mind with all of their stuff and it's making them feel bad but the thing is that's not and, and it's making them feel fearful worried and afraid but here's the thing when you feel fearful worried and afraid to deal with an immediate threat or danger that's really good but the downside if you like is that it blocks off your creative problem-solving ability. And this is the irony of it, is that it's absolutely perfect for a situation where you don't need to think about how to solve a problem. You just react to something, something running at you. You've got to run away or fight or, or um, shout back or call for help or whatever for an immediate danger. You don't need a problem-solving ability for that. You don't need any creativity or imagination or or the ability to see the big picture. Your brain is designed to shut that all off so that you just react to that immediate threat and get rid of it there and then, either by running away or fighting or whatever. So the real problem is, if you've got problems in your life and you're feeling in a state of fear and anxiety, you will never be able to solve those problems because your brain has shut, is in that state. It's called your sympathetic nervous system that your brain activates in a fearful state, and it shuts down your creativity, your intuition, your imagination, your ability to see the big picture. It also shuts down your motivation and your willingness to, to face and deal with, with, with something. And the other thing it does, and this is really interesting because there's nothing random that happens in the universe and certainly nothing random about that your brain creates. Your brain literally creates for you the circumstances of your life. So it brings to you people, this sounds a bit woo-woo, but it's science. You know, it brings to you the situations, people, circumstances that are best for you when you're in your ideal state. But it shuts down your brain's ability to do that. You're blocking off all of these, these functions of your brain when, when your brain is just saying, there's an immediate danger, I have to deal with it, I have to get rid of it right away. Don't need to think about it. Don't need to look at the big picture. Don't need to come up with alternative solutions or ideas or creativity or anything like that. Um, I just need to deal with it straight away. So can you see that that's no good when you've got problems in your life because your brain can't solve those problems. All of its problem-solving ability is shut down when you're feeling fear. So that's what's holding people back. And this is the big the number one and really only game that you have to play in your life as a human being is to, is to figure out a way to stop being afraid, to get rid of fear, and only allow fear in your life when it's to deal with it, something that really is worth being afraid of. In other words, something that's going to kill you, could kill you there and then. That's what it's designed for. So in neurostate rebalancing, this is really what I teach people is to find a way how to get rid of all these fears so that you live in your natural state because you're this this state of being the best you can be what is it it's about you being happy healthy creative loving grateful and and just being really excited and and passionate about your life that's your natural state and when you're feeling like that that's when your all of your creativity your imagination your intuition all of these things that are really beyond your thinking mind as well. These, these are, you know, you get these ideas that come to you. Ah, here's, here's a way to do, to do that. Well, I've got this new idea about something. That's where the this, this state, your natural state, you being the best you can be, it unlocks all of those things that bring you the things you need to be the best that you can be. So the name of the game is to, and the real, is to realize that the thing holding you back is fear. You know, it's a really interesting thing about it. You can say, well, that's, that's a nice uh, concept, but, but is it true that, that fear is the, is the enemy, if you like? Well, I've just explained it from a scientific perspective that when you feel fear, it activates your sympathetic nervous system, which gets you to focus on the problem or the, the immediate danger or what the brain thinks is an immediate danger, but it blocks your ability to be a creative problem solver or creative thinker or, a, or somebody who can really go about building your ideal life. So that so science has, has verified this is true. But, you know, religion also teaches us this is true. Because what does it say in the Bible? 
Somebody's counted that it says in the Bible more than 360 times these three words, be not afraid. Be not afraid. Now, why does it say that? It doesn't say that because, well, you know, it's a nice idea and, you know, try and not be afraid because it doesn't make you feel good. No, it's not a, not a suggestion. It's an instruction. Be not afraid. And why shouldn't you be afraid? Because when you're afraid, you're, you're unable to live your ideal life. You're unable to un allow your brain to bring you this ideal life that you're supposed to live. And you're busy getting all stressed and trying to figure it all out, whereas your brain has all the answers. Your brain can do it for you. You know, you have a role to play as well, obviously, to implement the, 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 um, <clears throat> what comes to you, and you will. But um, when, when you feel fear, you, you just have no access to that. And it also says in the Bible, you know, um, Jesus says, do not be anxious. Give no thought for tomorrow. Do, do not, you know, do not worry about what you're going to eat and drink because the flowers in the field, they don't worry about it. But look how you're much more beautiful than they are. Don't you think you're going to be looked after? So again, he's not saying this is just a nice, cute idea. He's saying this is the way your brain works. This is the way you're supposed to function as a human being. This is life, you know, and um, this is the instruction manual on how you do it. It's a bit like you get an instruction manual for your car. You know, this is how you, you learn to drive, don't you? But whoever taught us how to learn how to use our brain? And yet, you know, this is the most important machine that we, that we possess. Funnily enough, the Bible tells us how to do it, but, mo but most of us have misinterpreted and don't realize that it is actually an instruction manual. So coming back to your, um, <clears throat> your point, I see you've put the yes behind every problem is a fear. Remove the fear and you remove the problem. And fear is the name of the game. Here's another way to, um, if I can just give you an example that I'm sure everyone can relate to. You know, if you think oftentimes you might have a friend or a family member who you see has a problem. Maybe they've got a problem in a relationship or a problem in their career or their job or their business. And they might even come to you and say it's in their relationship and they say to you, you know, I'm in this, I've got these terrible problems in my marriage and my husband and my wife, they don't understand me and we argue all the time and, you know, and, and we have all these disagreements and things things aren't going well and, you know, I don't know what to do. Now, before even they even say that they don't know what to do, you know, you can see in your mind very clearly what the solution to their problem is. And, you know, this is where people say, look, in your mouth, get rid of the guy. You, you can do much better, better than him. You know, what are you doing hanging around in an abusive relationship or whatever for? Or whatever advice you, can, you give. So we have a, a much better ability to see how to fix other people's problems then we do our own. And why is that? Because when we're focused on our own problems, we're in a state of fear and our brain won't let us, it, well, it would like to, but it can't let us see the solution to the problem, the real solution. So what do we tend to do in a state of fear? We go, oh, well, I just, I'll try harder and I just need some more information. I'll go and I'll go to therapy or counseling. And, and if that doesn't work, well, I'll go to some more therapy or more counseling. And then I'll you know, go online and, and, and look up some experts and I'll read some books and then I'll really try and I'll try to ask in a relationship situation, ask my husband or my wife, can we work on this together? And, you know, I'll, I'll apologize and I'll do, I'll do all of these things and none of them work. And why is that? Because in a state of fear, your brain can't give you the right things to do. It can't show you the right things to do, the things that really work. And not just work in general, but work for you and your situation. So fear is behind every problem because the other thing that happens is when you're in a state of fear and anxiety, what do you tend to do? You don't make good decisions. When you make a decision based on fear, most of the time it's, it's, the, wrong, it's the wrong decision. And I'm sure people have, I know this from my, you know, my pre-life as it were, <laughs> that um, I made some terrible decisions in business and personally as well. And look back and I thought, oh, it was just such a bad mistake to make. And I know why I made them, because my brain was just trying to say, oh, look, just employ that person or sign that contract or, you know, get into a relationship with that person. It'll, it'll work out. Don't, you know, we'll make it work. And in that state of fear and 
stress and anxiety. You try and push things. You try and make things work when they're, they're just the wrong things. And then you you know you spend all this time and effort trying to fix it. And again, it's not your brain's fault that it's being used the wrong way. It's your fault. Well, if it's anybody, <laughs> if it's anybody's fault, but you don't know, do you, the right way to use it? But it literally can't bring you the right the right answers. Whereas when you remove fear, you can see the big picture about your situation, and you can see the real the right thing. For instance, with that business or that uh, or your job or your even your marriage, the right decision might be to end it, to go and find another job if you're not happy in one, rather than struggling struggling away at the one you're in. You go, ah, oh, I need to go and find something else. That that's okay, and you find it. Your brain finds it for you, because you're not in a state of fear. So your brain is able to unlock all of this resource that it has, this infinite resource, to bring you what you really want and need to be happy. So this is the, the really the basis of, you know, say religion, science, they all point to the fact that when you're in fear or anxiety and worry, which have fear as their um, foundation, you activate your sympathetic nervous system. When you activate your sympathetic nervous system, you can't solve problems. You you have no creativity, no imagination, no insight, no big picture thinking, and no motivation to do it because you, that's not what that that's all blocked off off from you. When well, because your brain is thinking, it has to deal with something immediately that is a threat to you and is therefore putting you in a reactive state. So the trick, of course, people say, well, how can I not have fear and worry and anxiety when I've got all these problems in my life? Well, the first step to realize is, you know, if you do, you haven't got a hope of solving the problem. That's what it comes down to. So you have to learn to find a way to see the big picture or see things differently in a way that that rebalances your brain so that you can start to deal with the issues in your life. And the great thing is when you do that, your brain actually does the work. Your brain is like this big machine that goes, right, we've got all these messes to clean up um, that you've created. And um, what's the fastest, easiest, best way to clean up these messes so that we can get you back on track, living your purpose to be the best you can be? So things become a lot easier to fix once you uh, start using your brain the right way and not from, you know, driving, having your life being driven in a state of fear. Indeed, indeed. Thank you, Mr. Liam, for that. You're now a life coach for relationships and especially focused on marriage. There's a lot of problems in America today. And I think even a higher uptick after the pandemic or during, which I still consider the pandemic. Um, I'd like to play a testimony of one of your clients, if that's okay, and talk, and talk to you a little bit about, or have you talked to us a little bit about how you help people save their relationships or basically how they help themselves save themselves while in these relationships. I really like the program. Um, it came at a time where I desperately uh, was searching for something to help me out during this tough time that, um, that I had. And um, it, it has helped me, uh, it's definitely helped me tremendously in getting to know more about myself and also about my marriage as well. And that was Mr. Kevin Samuels, a professional basketball player who participated in your program and who indicates that he truly benefited from it. What do you bring to the table to help people navigate this world of relationships? Because oftentimes in our upbringing, it doesn't show us the right path. You know, we saw our parents do what they do, or our mom or their dad do what they do. And it may not necessarily translate to where we are today in today's society and how to navigate and have a good relationship, right? Mm. Yeah, and you know the thing is, <clears throat> it all comes back to this fear thing again because the basis for, if you really think about this as an idea, the basis for most relationships is fear. People are in a relationship and they're afraid. They're afraid of losing that relationship. They're afraid of um, it not being as good as they they think it should be. They're afraid of maybe their children not being brought up to as as well as they could be. And that you know they might be harmed or damaged in some way, that they might not live their dreams in their own life because of their or through their relationship. So people are afraid, and the way it's reflected that people are afraid in relationship is the way they hang on to that relationship and they put and the way they 
they focus on the problems and the things that aren't going right about that relationship. I'll to explain it a bit a bit more clearly, maybe I'll think just imagine two people in a in a really loving, great relationship. What's the difference? And this is one of the things I did a lot of study on, was I looked at what people who had great relationships, what they were doing, and more importantly, what they were thinking, and what was different about them compared to which was unfortunately the majority of people who were in a relationship that either wasn't very satisfying to them or they had lots of problems in. And um as I say, what I found was that the, the people with these great relationships, there were a fairly small number of people. But what I noticed that they did differently, primarily, was they didn't have fear in their relationship. They were there because they wanted to be. They didn't have these fears about that it might end or that if it or what would be the consequences if it did end, whether they'd be full of regret or they wouldn't find someone else or everyone would judge them and tell them they were a failure or their children would be hurt or and, you know because they hadn't been brought up. In, a, in the ideal family situation. No, these people were just really there in this relationship with another person because they absolutely loved that person who, for who they were and were just enjoying every moment. And they might have misunderstandings and disagreements, but they didn't let it get in the way. And they didn't do a ton of analysis about their relationship, about, oh, you know, <clears throat> um, we have a problem, so we need to go to counselling and figure out what the problem is. Or they were like, look, Life's too short. I'm, I'm, we're just enjoying each other's company. And sometimes people can, you know, you see people who've been 30, 40 years married and, and they've got such a good connection. And the basis of their connection is, enjoy, is positive, enjoying being together, not being afraid or having some underlying anxiety about their relationship, that, that they need to try and make it better or they need to try and fix things that might go wrong. So. And again, this is a really important fact when it comes to the brain, because when you're when you don't have an underlying fear, you can your brain is going to bring you all of the things in your relationship that are going to make it good, make it better. Now it might tell you, hey, you're in the wrong relationship, and, and it's going to therefore motivate you to change that. But if you are in the right relationship, and that's good, if it's not in your best interest for you to be in that relationship. But it might, but it, but if it is. The right relationship, your brain is going to enhance that to a much, much greater degree by being in this creative, non-fear-based state than if you were in fear. <clears throat> so I always say to people when they're in a relationship, if you want to fix all of the problems, you want to have great communication, great intimacy, what you need to do is stop having a fear attached to not having those things. And what that really means is you have to, in a sort of a counterintuitive way you have to be ready at any minute any moment to give up that relationship if it's no longer the right one for you and then you don't have any fear about losing it i hope that's making sense when you don't have fear about losing a relationship that's when you keep it and it's the same with everything in life and there's an expression you know what you fear is what you attract it's because your brain is focused on this thing when you're in a fear state that is just going to create problems for you but when you're not in that fear state all of all of the good things happen naturally, including in your relationship. And there's a really good example. I often say this to people. When was, a good, when was the time when your relationship was going really well? And I say, well, when we got together, it was going really well. You know, we got on fantastically. And I, and I say, well, what was happening then that's not happening now? And one of the things that was happening then was you didn't really have any expectation. You didn't have any strings attached. You were just enjoying learning about the other person and having fun. You weren't thinking... Oh, you know, if this relationship fails, then um, I'll be a failure. Or, um, <clears throat> you know, I'll, if, I, if I don't hang on to this relationship, I won't find another one. Or if I don't hang on to this relationship, then I'm going to wake up in 20 years' time filled with regrets that um, I didn't make it work. No, you were just having a good time. You were just focused on the good aspects of, of the person you were with, learning all about them, and things were going smoothly. So. That's the state you have to maintain if you want to create a great relationship. And you do. And again, what was happening early on in the relationship, you didn't really have any any fear or anxiety or concern. Those come later, don't they? And, that, and funnily enough, that's when the problems come as well. And most people think, well, the fear and worry comes because of the problems. No, it's the other way around. The problems come because of the fear and anxiety. 
And often we're not aware of it. Often it's very subconscious and very subtle, but it is the driver for most people is this, you know, insecurity, if you like, that's based on fear deep down. Sorry, I have no sound. I've lost your sound. One of the books that you wrote has been very beneficial in helping the masses navigate their relationships, The Sexless Marriage Cure, which is available on Amazon. And I started reading it on my Kindle. Um, how to get your partner, are you interested in sex again? Is uh, Am I safe to assume that fear impacts sexless marriages? Absolutely, because <clears throat> what is what is fear? It's pressure. When you when you're in a state of anxiety and you're trying to fix things, you're trying to change things. What do you do? You put pressure on your spouse or your partner. And who likes feeling pressure? It's not not attractive. You know, you want to be around someone who makes you feel good, not someone who makes you feel under pressure. So when you get rid of the fear, and again, the sexless marriage cure, you know. It's actually, people have, have commented on the book that it's not a lot about sex at all. Because, again, a good sex life is a symptom of your relationship. It's not something that is going to create a great relationship. It's something you get when you have a good relationship, when you get the foundations there. So that if you want to have a great sex life, you have to create the right foundations and allow the, the intimacy to develop from that. It's not about trying to fix that, that area of your life so that, you feel good about every everything else. So again, it's about fear, that if you re remove fear, you remove neediness, you remove anxiety about your relationship, you become much more attractive to your spouse because that's what you were like when, you, when they first met you. You weren't this needy person, you know, worried about your problems and worried about what you thought was going on with your relationship and try, you weren't trying to change them either. You were just looking at them and thinking, wow, and, and making them feel that they were the most sexy, amazing person on the planet. So that's, that's, you need to remove this anxiety and fear and concern and stress and pressure from your marriage to allow it to be an enjoyable experience for your spouse as well as yourself. And that's when things start to flourish. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Tell us about some of the programs, workshops, services that you offer at liamnaden.com so that people can address some of the needs that they have in their relationships and regards to how their fear is impacting their life and causing them to have trouble. What are some of the programs or some of the um, services you offer at liamnaden.com? Okay, well, first off, I've got a couple of podcasts, um, which I'm the host of. One's called Growing in Love for Life, and it's all about marriage and relationships. And I cover all sorts of um, different scenarios and topics, you know, communication, intimacy, um, what to do if your spouse wants to leave. Um, that's all in there in the, in the podcast, and you can find all the episodes on my website. My other podcast is called Using Your Brain for Success, and it really goes into a lot of lot more detail um, in the episodes there, just what we've been talking about, about how your brain works and why you need to use it in a certain way and how to use it in a certain way and how your brain is, is structured, you know, the different parts. It's not an overly technical, you know, um, sort of podcast. It's much more explanatory than that, but... Um, that's very, uh, very powerful because it gets to the underlying issues really that everybody faces about striving for success in every area of, of our life. So I have my two podcasts and I've also got um, coaching programs. I've got several on marriage and relationships. One is called, it's a stop your divorce program. Another one is a, a relationship transformation program. And these are programs that you can go through on your own at your own pace and listen to a few times to, to really get the gist of, of um, the information and apply to your marriage situation. 
I also have a program on helping people get past their breakup because, you know, some people come to me and say, well, my marriage is over, but I still I feel terrible. How can I rebuild my life after after that's happened? So that's called Get Past Your Breakup. And it's a way of you being able to use your, your um, experience to empower the rest of your life because that's what I did for myself, you know. And um, it can be the most empowering experience you have and it can be a huge if you like, leg up, boost, and spur into a, gr a much greater life if you do it the right way. And I have my neurostate rebalancing course, which is really gets to the to the nitty gritty and shows people the neurostate rebalancing process, so that you can stop stop living in this fear based fear based shut down, unaware, problem driven, reactive, you know reactionary state all the time which is just going to wear you down and and make you want to give up um, you can move into the life you're really supposed to live and um, you know which is being the best you can be whatever that means for you so that's the gist of what I have on uh, there's a few other books and, and various things as well in those subjects but um, yeah you can find all that on my website liamnaden.com all right all right well thank you for blessing us with your presence today Mr. Liam, please check out his programs, his workshops, his podcasts at liamnaden.com. That's liamnaden.com. Mr. Liam, any last words you'd like to leave the audience with today? Well, I've really enjoyed uh, you having me on your show, Felipe. Thank you very much. And uh, yes. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I just wish all of the stuff about how to use our brain was taught in schools and, you know, we go to learn about how, if we want to learn to use a machine, or if we want to use a machine, we have to learn how to use it. And uh, whether it's a car, a computer, any machine, why have we never been taught how to use our brain, really? It's just, it's baffling, isn't it? it so is. um, I, I just hope people realize that the brain mm -hmm. is a machine. It's an infinitely powerful machine. And if you can learn how to use it, and it's not that hard, it's like it's not that hard to use a car. It means doing something different to what you've done all your life because... Yes. Um, that's just the nature, the way things are. But but if you can realize it is a machine and you're prepared to learn how to use it, your life is going to be completely different. Mm -hmm. And um, it's 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 what you've always wanted was to feel truly happy, truly fulfilled, you know, truly in control of your life. That's not only what you want; it's what your brain is trying to give you. It's what mm -hmm. you're designed to be like. We're not designed to have problems. God, whatever you want to call it, the universe, it exists as a place. That is perfect, and you're supposed to be a perfect part of it. So, um, you know, my mission is to help people understand this, and uh, and I, ho I hope people will really maybe think, yeah, I need to learn how to use this machine in a different way and, and get the results it's supposed to give. Indeed, indeed. Well, once again, thank you, sir. And that's been another episode of the Modern Therapy Podcast. If you can find out more about the Modern Therapy Podcast, at www.morethantherapy.org. More Than Therapy podcast is available anywhere where you push play to listen to your favorite podcast. Thank you. Be well. Be great.